Welcome to Thriving Through Menopause. I'm Clarissa Christensen and in this podcast we know that menopause and midlife aren't all fun and games. But this is the podcast where I and my guests guide you and support you. Lots of our issues arise at this time of life because they're subjects that we want to brush under the carpet. Bringing these conversations into the light, we can help you prepare for midlife and menopause changes, get supported with symptoms as they arise, with life issues in our relationships, with our kids, our finances, our careers. Prepare to join us every single week and we are looking forward to thriving through menopause and getting you set up and ready to make the most of the next chapter of your life. Well, welcome to another episode of Thriving Through Menopause. And today we're going to be talking about mind-body connection. And as my guest just said in our pre-talk, that if you have a silver bullet with your name on it, it might be the time in life when you know, your, all your bad habits catch up with you. So I'm delighted today to invite to the show Loretta Ferrucci. She's been a registered homeopath for 25 years and treated a lot of women during their menopause transition. Welcome to the show, Loretta. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's lovely to be here. It's fantastic. Loretta, tell people a little bit about yourself and, and the work that you do. Um, so I, um, um, I was introduced to complementary medicine when I was about three. I had uh, bizarre seizures that no one could really diagnose. And eventually in desperation, my mother took me to a homeopath and that was the end of the seizures. And so from that point onwards, that was really our primary um, contact practitioner. Um, and so when it was time to go and study, my father wanted me to be a conventional doctor. My mother wanted me to be a homeopath and I was going to be a homeopath. So that's really what happened. Um, in South Africa, it's a master's qualification. So it's a six-year program. So anyway, off I went and then um, all bright out and bushy-tailed. I started my practice in about 1995. Um, and, and because I felt like I was equipped to, to really help people because like, okay, well, what do I really know? I've just come out of university. What do I actually know? And there are these people that are going to need help. So I, I've started studying you know, everything, everything else that I could, could learn really about energy meds and, and all the rest. And that sort of morphed into my real interest in the mind-body connection. I did do an acupuncture um, course, a post-grad acupuncture course as well. So I used the, um, the energy model in Chinese medicine as a diagnostic tool because very often I'd have patients who'd had all the tests they were all negative, but they still felt awful. So that's sort of how I brought the energy medicine into it. And then the mind-body medicine sort of morphed out of that. And the homeopathy, of course, is the holistic treatment therapy that's working on mind and body and emotions. Um, and then I got more into teaching groups, really, because uh, I was feeling, felt like I was saying the same thing over and over, day after day. It was boring as anything, eventually. So I got into teaching my patients and then the sort of greater public. Um, and then eventually I sort of got tired of the private practice because I've been doing it for 25 years. And so I've actually closed my practice now and I've pivoted my business full time onto an online platform where I actually coach primarily women, but I have male clients as well. Um, and, and my area of speciality is the mind-body connection and energy, and energy medicine. Oh, that's fantastic. And that's something that, you know, I hold very dear to my heart too, this connection between mind and body that, you know, what we think, yeah, sometimes we become. Absolutely. Yeah. 
But we're going to talk about menopause, and I know in the title we're going to call it about menopause myths, because there are a lot of myths in this field, aren't there, Loretta? For sure, for sure. Yeah. Um, so one of the primary myths, in my opinion, is that it's a medical condition. You know, menopause is a perfectly natural transition, just as puberty is, just as uh, pregnancy is. Pregnancy has been largely medicalized. I know that we do tend to, um, a lot of teenagers are treated for their moods and everything else, but these are not medical conditions. They are transition periods and transition periods are always a potential for enormous growth. So when we try and shut them down, then we actually stifle the growth. So I think that's probably the biggest myth is that it is a medical disorder and that somehow um, the creator or the universe or whatever it is our belief system is about how we got here um, made it perfect. Like everything works perfectly up until you get to your midlife and then suddenly there's a it's the default setting that doesn't work, and now you're a hormonally challenged. So that is definitely one of the biggest myths, in my, in my opinion. Yeah, and it's a myth that's getting perpetuated. It's getting bigger, isn't it, Loretta? Yes, it is. Look, I mean, so not to sound like I'm too much on my soapbox, but the, the, and, and really I'm not trying to knock modern medicine. I think there's a place for everything. So, you know, if I, had a, I needed a surgery or I had a trauma or I needed a tumor removed, I would actually go to a hospital. Okay, I wouldn't take a homeopathic remedy at that point. However, um, it's a very patriarchal system. And by patriarchal, I don't mean that it's necessarily run by men. It's just the power is in the hand of the doctor. And the, the patient is essentially powerless. So, um, so we, we've got so used to the system where we give our power away that we don't even question we don't even ask. We don't, we don't think about, well, logically, you know, could there be something else going on here? And um, because we are also living in this time of the quick fix and, we, you know, we don't want to be, we don't want to be hampered by the hot flushes and, um, you know, God forbid we should have a mood swing or, you know, our husband should get irritated with us because suddenly we're a lot more bullshit than we used to be. Um, so we have to medicate that. And uh, it's just easier. So in defense of, of the medical system, what else can they really do? Uh, you know, so, so essentially the medical system is based on the patient has a problem. We have a medicine. We either suppress, remove, or stimulate. And the only thing we can do in this instance for, for, for menopause is, um, is try and replace what is lost. So hence the HRT and this idea that it's a D it's a, it's a, it's a, a not a failure that it's, um, yeah, something's broken. So something's broken because you don't have enough estrogen and progesterone. So now you've got to fix it by taking the estrogen and progesterone. But one of the things that women don't realize is that, and I had a conversation with one just the other day, is that um, if you're 50 and you start having hot flushes and you, let's say, go on to HRT, you're not supposed to take HRT for longer than five years because your breast cancer risk increases exponentially after five years. So if you do stop taking it after five years, even if you stop taking it after 10 years, you are right back hormonally where you were at 50. You haven't gone through menopause. You haven't made the transition. So don't think that when you come off the medication, you're not going to have any symptoms because it actually doesn't fix anything. It just puts a lid on it yeah. and lets it simmer away. Yes. And I had a very similar conversation with a client who wanted at late fifties to now come off HRT and I had the same conversation that you're, you're absolutely raising here, that she's got to go through the menopause because it's a, biolog it's a physiological and a bigger transition that we have to go through as part of being human, being a woman. Absolutely. And I also think that, um, 
you know, my belief is that the, we humans don't change if we don't get uncomfortable. And the one place we notice, and we, the first place we actually take notice is if we become super uncomfortable physically. So, you know, if you're just mildly tired, you're not going to do much. And if you're just not having an extra hour sleep a night, probably not going to notice it. And if you have the occasional headache, you're not going to notice it. But I'm telling you, if your temperature gauge is waking you up every two hours in the night with the sweat and the freeze and the you're going to take notice. So the reason why the symptoms are there, I mean, I don't believe that everyone has to have a hectic menopause full of symptoms, quite frankly, because there are other reasons why those symptoms happen. But without the symptoms, we wouldn't take any notice. Oh, I'm so glad you have a dog that barked because I potentially have a dog that could bark too. <laughs> she does it a lot. <laughs> I warned mine. I've said to them, you're not allowed to bark now, okay? <laughs> she barks. People are used to this who listen to this podcast. Oh, oh good. but you're absolutely right i mean we don't take note of the symptoms hit us but they've probably been subtle messages haven't they going on maybe for a lot longer in our lives but we've um pushed them to the back of our minds absolutely absolutely so uh, what i advise women to start thinking about menopause in their 30s because you know it's like death and taxes it's going to get all of us right so um so, you know, so this doesn't mean that if you are in your late 40s or you're already in menopause or you are in your 50s, you've missed the boat. Not at all. It just means that the degree of intervention probably has to be a little bit more intensive in whichever, whether that you need more coaching or whether you may need some more, th- you may need therapy or you may need to take more supplements. But quite frankly, the state of your health pre-menopause will very often determine not only how bad your menopausal symptoms are, but how um, resilient you are to actually dealing with the symptoms when they are. So you may not have a symptom-free menopause, but when you do have symptoms, if they do get treated, if the cause of those symptoms gets treated, you tend to recover much faster. So, um, I I mean, also in my practice, you know, if I've, I, I I never go to work if I'm sick. All right. And I, I must be quite honest, I, I get acute illnesses very seldom, like colds and flu. But I, I've had it a number of times. A patient will bump into me in a store and go, oh, you're not supposed to be sick. You're the homeopath. Like, well, actually, no, I do get sick. The difference is that I get better much quicker. Only yeah. because, not because I'm superhuman, only because I have a high value on health and I tend to look after myself well. So yeah. that's one of the perks. And I think that's a really good point because there are, you certainly do meet women who go through with very minimum symptoms or as you said, and that's a great word, is this importance of resilience. The, the mindset, the, the strength you've built up will make such a big difference to the way you approach. And also I think, you know, I love your opinion as do you view this as a positive transition in your life? Or actually, we're going to the menopause, it's hell and, and all the drama, then that's going to be a very different reaction physically and mentally to this time of life. That's exactly right. Um, I was going to say something now, slipped my mind. It was, uh, hold on, hold on, hold on, I'm going to get it now. I'm going to get it. It was about the transition and, oh, oh, oh this is what I was going to say. <laughs> um, so, very, so, um, so in, in, or in Chinese medicine, the kidneys control the hormones. And there's a relationship between the kidneys and the liver. So your kidneys, physiology, and your liver, right? They're your detoxification organisms. And they largely determine how well you can carry away the, the byproducts of inflammation. Ah, this was really what I wanted to say. And hormone issues are often a downstream problem caused by excessive inflammation. Yeah. 
So, so when you have high levels of inflammation because of our diet or inflamed hormones or, um, or inflamed hormones, inflamed emotions, you know, unresolved issues, whatever, um, charges on aging or potentially becoming defunct if you get old or changing your identity, because all of that does happen as you go through menopause, then um, we, we, we become, um, we're charged and we're inflamed and as a consequence of that, the natural way in which the hormones are supposed to transition mm-hmm. is affected. So, yes, you can have a physiological hormone imbalance during menopause, absolutely possible, but it's often triggered by an upstream problem, and the upstream problem is the inflammation. So, again, even if you just treat the hormones, you still haven't sorted out the upstream problem. So, that's a bit like, um, it's a bit like trying to put a cap on a volcano. The lava is still bubbling up underneath. It's trying to erupt, um, and it and it comes out. You know, it comes out in all sorts of fissures everywhere else because it can't actually come out the top of the volcano, which is where it's supposed to be coming and that, out. And that was exactly the question I was going to ask, Lasha. Doesn't that then emerge as gut dysbiosis, as as you suddenly get acne or fatigue, even though you're taking HRT, which is putting a lid on some of it? It still comes through in some other way. Absolutely. And also, I mean, so, you know, this is what I, so again, this is not a, um, if you are an HRT, you need to be ashamed of yourself kind of opinion, right? Because it is easy. It's easy for it to sound like, well, you know, actually you should just soldier through and what is wrong with you. So I don't mean to, I don't mean to sound like that. However, there is a um, estrogen, specifically estrogen and progesterone is removed through the liver through a very particular process called methylation. And there's a particular gene that's governed by an enzyme, a gene that governs an enzyme. And the enzyme is, I forget the long name, but it's called COMPT. And that specifically helps to conjugate estrogen out of your system. So a lot of the symptoms that we have, like, you know, the breast engorgement or the tenderness or those PMS kind of symptoms that we have during menopause are because of we, we have too much estrogen, actually, relative to the progesterone that we have, and our liver can't conjugate it effectively. Now, if you have a poor expression of that COMPT gene, which I have, incidentally, mm-hmm. it means you don't actually metabolize estrogen well, not even your own estrogen, let alone external exogenous estrogen. And there's exogenous estrogen all over the environment. It's in the, it's in the animal products we eat. It's in the dairy products we eat and drink. It's in the water in some instances. It's in plastics. Yeah. And then when we take it in the synthetic form, in, in, the, in the form of even an oral contraceptive pill or, or HRT, then we struggle even more. So, so some women can take HRT and have very few side effects. Those are the women who genetically are actually good detoxifiers, good methylators, and have a great expression of COMPT. But many women don't have that. And you wouldn't know unless you had a genetic test. And in fact, even if, and I mean, you can have a genetic test, it's easy. But even if you had a genetic test, there's actually a very good chance that your healthcare provider is not going to care. (laughs) He's either not going to know about it or not going to care, quite frankly, and going to prescribe it regardless. So, yes. Uh, yes, and, and I think you talked really that. I think the important point is that it's this imbalance in the body that occurs, and, and yeah, and that in, that estrogen dominance, which I think is quite paradoxical for a lot of women to to take on board because we think progesterone down, estrogen down. That's the story, and of course that is the story, but it's not the full story. It's the relative imbalance. Exactly, and the fact that in there is also you know our wonderful friend cortisol. Loretta, yeah. Well, 
<laughs> Absolutely. You know, the one that makes us fat and hairy and immunocompromised, that particular one, yes. Um, yeah, absolutely. And so the, the other thing is with the, with the tests, um, when you have a, you know, when you have a, a menopause profile, so once you haven't menstruated, let's say for a year, which is the sort of clinical definition of now you are in menopause, everybody's menopause profile is going to say the same thing. Your estrogen and progesterone is incredibly low. You don't, you don't have any luteinizing hormone. Your FSH is low. Your estrogen is low. Your progesterone is low. But again, the, the, the tests are not sensitive enough to give us relative relative to one another. And, and, and as you say, so you can still have estrogen dominance. And there's another myth is that you have no estrogen. That's nonsense. You actually can make estrogen from the fat in your thighs via your adrenal hormones, right? So you just don't have uh, detectable levels on a medical test and you don't have um, uh, enough to be f fertile. It doesn't mean you don't have. No. It's like when you prepubescent, you don't have enough hormones to have a menstrual cycle. It doesn't mean you don't have hormones. It just means you don't have enough in order for you to actually ovulate and menstruate. So it's the same thing on the other side of the spectrum. Yeah. I often say to women, you know what, do you remember what it was like? It's because uh, menopausal women often have teenage children or they've, they've had teenage <laughs> children. Yes. So do you remember what your teenager was like? Yeah, right. Did you, did, you, did you think that they had a pathology? Well, no, they were revolting, but I don't think they had a pathology because that's just puberty. <laughs> okay, so can we just cut ourselves the same amount of slack on the other side of the spectrum, yeah. right? yeah. It, that's very, and that is so true that, that, that it is like we've reversed the coin, but we've reversed the coin with all the extra baggage that we don't have at 13. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. We, haven't had, we haven't had enough time to accumulate it at 13, but you know, by 50, we've had time <laughs> and boy, have we accumulated. <laughs> we've accumulated a lot and a lot of society's, um, perceptions of what we should be like and how much we're able to do and you know I notice and I'm sure you've noticed too with your clients your patients how much they think they need to be able to do when the body is almost telling you to slow it down a little bit I had a lot of therapy at one stage in my life, as we sometimes do, uh, around about my mid-40s, actually. And um, the, the, it was a Jungian therapist. And th this is what Zashi explained it to me. She said, so according to Jungian theory, apparently, I don't really know much. So if there are any Jungians out there, forgive me. Yeah. But um, the, the, the ego is in the driving seat until we're anywhere between 38 and 45 right? And so essentially that, because your ego orients, uh, our ego orients us towards how the world works. So you've had all this time to learn how the world works. But what happens is when you get to your midlife, then the soul or your higher self essentially starts taking the driving seat. And now, even though you try and hang on to your old ego coping mechanisms, they don't work anymore. So first of all, the things that used to work don't work for you. And the things that used to have a huge amount of meaning have less meaning, but you don't have anything new to cling to because you're in that transition phase where yeah. everything just feels overwhelming. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so the more we cling to our sort of ego identity and try and get the ego back in the driving seat, well, the, the more futile it seems and the more exhausted we become. And so our ego drive is very much about doing, right? And so that's the very sort of masculine part of us. So with the, it doesn't matter what gender you identify with, whether you're masculine or feminine, we all have a balance of masculine and feminine. And because we have lived in a patriarchal society for thousands of years now, the fact of the matter, even as women, 
we denigrate our own feminine. So this doesn't mean that I can't look at myself and go, oh, Loretta, you look amazing today. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking no, no. about having a facial or not having a pedicure. I'm talking about um, this, this um, insane addiction we have with doing and yes. how we don't venerate, venerate being at all. No. And, and I mean, listen, you know how you need to teach the thing which you most need to learn? Okay, this is my thing, all right? I'm a, I'm a big doer. I'm a big masculine wins doer person. Oh, yes. Um, so I know how hard that is because being just seems so pointless because it doesn't seem to be productive. But, no. you know, it's, it's literally, and, and I put a post on Facebook today, and I know that the butterfly analogy has been killed, but literally when it pupates, when that lava pupates, it turns into a soup. It yes. like dissolves into a nothing before yes. it actually constitutes itself so that it can emerge as the butterfly. Yeah. And so, so I think if we just know that, I just keep on saying to myself, Loretta, you're a pupa. What would a pupa be doing? Well, nothing. It just hangs off the little branch, right? Yeah. So maybe it's okay if I can just try and be here today. In fact, <laughs> I have to try not to try because the trying in yeah. itself is is doing, is doing, it's trying is doing. So we're striving. Absolutely. And I think that's what's become this new being is that I'm striving to be, which is almost counter. And, and you see people, you see people coming and saying, I must go to this yoga class. I must do these things. I must meditate. And, yes. and then they go, but it's very hard. <laughs> and we go well that's about really doing very little and meeting yourself hello welcome Absolutely. to me and yeah. and that's the tension that we still take that pa patriarchal yang energy into totally. a situation which is asking us to be slow um relax not even relax it's just slower and more intuitive so that we can Absolutely. come out the other side um, as, as the beautiful butterfly that can do and be, I think, if we let it. And I think a common mistake that we make is that we just assume we should know how to do this. So, so you know, if, you've, if you literally have been brainwashed and indoctrinated your whole life, that one way is better than the other way, you know, it's a bit like, it'd be a bit like if you said to me, Loretta, um, I need you to... I don't know, I need you to be a black belt karateka. I need you to come and do five rounds of sparring with a black belt. <laughs> it's like, well, I've never been to a dojo in my life. Well, I actually have been to a dojo, but that's why they, but I, so if I've never been to a dojo in my life, what chance do I have? Like, no yeah. chance. This fight's going to last about 20 seconds, right? <laughs> yeah. So okay. why would we, why, I'm, I'm always amazed by this and I'm the same because quite, quite frankly, I've got to just about be half dead generally before I ask people for help. It's got better now. But it certainly, it's, it's as if that the, it's as if you now just need to know what it is that you need to do and how does you need to, uh, how does you, you know, how do you just suddenly become a beer? Well, actually, yeah. if you've never been a beer, maybe you yeah. need someone to show you the way. Exactly. Maybe you just need a bit of help, all right? Yeah. And so that's another thing is that it's a sort of um. I think that's one of the reasons why we actually give our power away to the sort of patriarchal medical system. First of all, because it's easier. It's actually easier to take a pill than it is to struggle. And I, I, yeah. listen, I'm all for not struggling, right? I also yeah, like yeah. ease. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But um, it's easier to take the pill. And the second thing is that we can keep on going and we don't have to stop. 
Yes, and in a world that doesn't like stopping because, Absolutely. I mean, and, and in some ways we're living right now in a time where <laughs> someone's pressing pause. It's almost like the universe is saying you have to press pause. And I think it's been sending, personally I would say, and I'm interested in your view, it's been sending us little messages to pause for a long time. We've seen a lot of these mindfulness, meditation, restorative yoga things popping up but we're not mm -hmm. quite listening to the message that it's sending um, no. to a lot of us, not just to women and menopause. And so we've kind of powered over that, attempted to adapt it to this hyper doing energy. And now right. so it feels like we've gone, no, press pause here for real. For um, real. And so do you think for, for the people who, people who have no, um, no, what's the word? No, um, I don't want to say concept because it makes it sound like it's their fault. It's not their fault. No, who no. can't relate to the being. They're probably, possibly the people who have found the pause the most difficult. Mm. So, I mean, we've all struggled with the pause and all the implications because it's the sort of whole collective yeah. energy and people's fear and the economy. And uh, I mean, I get all that. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, yeah, it's really difficult for us to just take a pause, isn't it? To just oh. take a break and take stock. I think also that maybe because so many people don't, um, it's not that, it's because we're not encouraged. We're not encouraged to actually go inside. I think some of us are scared of what we might find. And that in itself is something that stops you potentially from, let's say, asking for help or getting a guide or working with someone or going to therapy or whatever the case may be. Because yeah, like, yeah. what if you find this deep, dark thing? And I always say to people, well, hello, you, you know, you're not going to find anything that you probably don't know is there. No, no. <laughs> and you're actually you've okay, had, right? You know? yeah, and you're, you're a lovely human being. Trauma. Unless you've had real trauma in your life, Loretta, and you know Absolutely. that you've had real trauma, and that's a very different thing. But for Absolutely. most of us, it's probably getting us to touch that slower deeper energy it's a chance for us to how would i say um maybe just see there are some things that we are doing that aren't working for us they're not you're not wrong right. you're not broken but we have maybe habits in pat patterns of thought or behavior that aren't mm. serving us and i think that's what slowing throws up and that throws up lots of things for people about how am i living my life what kind of boundaries do I have? How do I take right. care of my health? And that can be, well, it can be quite frightening, I think. Absolutely. And, you know, what are my fears? And where are my limiting beliefs? And where are my insecurities? And how have they been running my life? So that's not easy. The, the, the encouraging thing is everyone has that. You know, everyone has that. So that's sort of what I mean by there's a silver bullet. It's got your name on it, right? It's probably not a really nice metaphor because it sounds like it's going to kill you. It's not actually. It's just that... You, you can run, but you cannot hide because, because I believe that the universe has equilibrating mechanisms in place that are always trying to bring you back to you. And so it doesn't matter how fast you run or how far you run. At some point, it's either going to show up as an illness or as a relationship or as a business that doesn't work or as dissatisfaction or as fatigue or as depression. It doesn't matter what it looks like. It, it's and it doesn't mean that, you know, bad things are going to happen, but, you know, good and bad things happen all the time. So, so you can't actually outrun it. And so, you know, I'm very much of the persuasion that you might as well just get real with where you are, face it, because once you've done that, well, then you can, then you can formulate a different strategy. Then you can find, then you can go, okay, this is where I am. I actually don't know what to do. I now need help. Okay, so then maybe you can go on and do a search or you can speak to someone and say, do you know of someone who can help me with this? 
you know, you're, you're only six people away from everyone in the whole world. Someone will be able to connect you with someone who can help you. No doubt about that. Yeah. And it's that, and it's that time when you get that help and you often have to stop or slow down. Yeah. But we'd rather, so, do, that, we'd rather do that voluntarily. Voluntary. <laughs> Absolutely. But the irony of it is, is that we don't do it voluntarily. So, so, you know, so I, I mean, I do signs and symptoms are indicators that something has to change. All right. So it might be the way you think. It might be the way you treat yourself. It might be the way you speak to yourself. It might be what you eat. It might be how much you move or don't move. So it can be physical, mentally, emotional. But the fact of the matter is it is feedback that something needs to change. So if you have to have a migraine headache, twice a month in order to get a day out uh, with pain medication in a dark room where you don't have to worry about homework or children or husbands or spouses or partners or colleagues or business because you actually can't. So I, I say to clients like that, well, so would you prefer to, would you rather not just have two days a month out without having the migraine? Because that is a viable alternative. It's damn difficult. I appreciate that. But, you know, if we go, okay, so this is actually what you need. You need to, so the, now you can arrange a schedule or you can do a productivity something and clear those two days because I would quite frankly much rather have the stopping without feeling physically awful yeah. than um, be forced to it. Yes. Yes. Uh, and I totally agree as the person who had to be forced to it. <laughs> uh, me too, a number of times. Don't worry. Yeah. Yeah, no, we're all, and I mean, I think, Everybody, nearly everybody I've ever had as a guest on this show have all reached a point where they where it stopped. You know, we had a stop and we had to reflect on our lives and think about what, what needs to change here in order to move forward. And many of us end up working with other people trying to help them not end up in this I do. I mean, I also think that the, that those things are inevitable. So, you know, you are always going to be stopped in your tracks because I don't think any of us has the level of awareness where we can actually be beyond our mind to such an extent that we can catch it before it happens. The difference once more is in how quickly you bounce back from that. And when I, I mean bounce back, I mean, so, you know, instead of having a heart attack and having to have three stents put in and not being able to drive for eight weeks, you could have a back pain that lasts a week. So again it's, it's again, it's back to that thing about, so it's not that we don't get sick. It's not that um, if you are in working in this realm, it doesn't mean that you still don't get, I got stopped two weeks ago. I had a backache. Woo! Yep. Did I have a backache? Okay. Like a bad backache, yep. which, which I couldn't move. So, so because I had been saying for weeks, I really need to take some time out. I really need to take some time, out. but I just have to finish this course. I just have to run this group. I just have to, da, 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 too much yep. doing. Yep. So then you, the universe said, well, okay, Loretta, I think it's time for you to lie down for a little bit. So here, here's your chance, right? So now it's even difficult for you to go to the loo. So uh, it's not that it doesn't happen. It's just that when it does happen, and even if it happens dramatically and it is a heart attack, again, your, your, the resources that you've got to actually rebuild and, and move from that are going to be more. The better you know yourself, the more resources you're always going to have. It's like having money in the bank. There's no risk to having a savings cushion. The worst that can happen is you will have savings. Yes. And when the poor poor does strike the fan in your business or your financials, 
you're going to have savings. So the person who has the savings is going to be emotionally more resilient in terms of being able to start up again than the person who's desperate because they've got nothing and they have to scramble for survival. It's the same thing. Yeah. And I love that. I think that's such a great analogy to, to link it to something that's so concrete as money in the bank. It's like it's health in the bank because health you're right. We can all, we have a sort of like, we talk about a wealth fund. It's almost like a health fund, a well-being fund. Right. We've, we've right. paid into that every day, but it doesn't mean that we won't get sick because there's a whole reason, load of reasons why that can happen. I mean, you can pick up a virus, you could... You, you could be genetically disposed to something maybe and and that's just the way it is but you get over as you said we get over the hill and that's real resilience isn't it absolutely if I can just say one thing before I forget okay about the menopause <laughs> just back to menopause because <laughs> afterwards I always go oh I should have said that oh I didn't say nothing okay so while I'm thinking about it I just got to say it quickly so one of the biggest myths is that when you go through menopause, it's basically over. It's like game over. You've become this old, shriveled, libidoless, um, driveless, <laughs> ugly, like big nose, hair out of the warts, um, kind of horrible lady, and it's done for you. Like it's game over. Ironically, in Aboriginal cultures, and you will know this, but yeah. in Aboriginal cultures, they believe that it's only women can only become shaman once they have been through menopause, because it's when they stop losing that menstrual blood every month, that energy that we use to nurture everyone, that's the energy we suddenly have available, not only to ourselves, but basically to like the world. And um, part of the difficulty in the transition is accepting that power. In fact, I read a book, I can't remember, I think it may have been Leslie Kenton or it was a Christian Northrup, might have been. Yeah. It was the, the hot flashes particularly. They're an indicator of this increased power. Mm. So the more we try and put the, fl- the, the more we try and suppress them. So again, please, we can treat hot flashes, okay? Yeah, yeah, they can yeah. be treated because they're very often part of your liver issue. And if you sort the liver out, the hot flashes improve and the night sweats go away. And there's lots of things that you can do. So not saying soldier on through them and going, oh, I'm getting so powerful, but I'm not getting any sleep. It's not what I'm trying to say. It's just that it's an indicator again. So if you have been the kind of person, and women are so um, guilty of this, that you know we are, we are indoctrinated and in, we're the, like the nurturers and we're the gatherers and we're the carers and we're the looker-afters and we chuck yourself under the bus so that you can save everyone else. Yeah. And well, that is really laudable. When you're suddenly handed this power, you don't know what to do with it. Because yeah. if you accept that power, then things around you change and it can become uncomfortable for everyone else. It can. And yeah. so... So, so it is a transition to power. I think I read, I think I read that Leslie Kenton book when I was in my early thirties, because I had patients who were menopausal. I was like, yeah. I don't know what the hell they're talking about. I mean, really, <laughs> this is like 20 years away. I was like, in fact, I was 25 when I started practicing. Oh, and the, and the, yeah. the one thing that people said was that we weren't expecting someone quite so young. I was like, well, look, I'm sorry. Okay. I'm sorry that I was born in 1970, but this is how it is. It is yeah. the way it is right now. Yeah. Best I can do. You're yeah. going to have to either go for 25 or find someone older. But um, when I read that about that thing about the Aboriginal cultures and you can only become like the wise woman of the tribe and the shaman, I was like, bring on menopause, guys. Yeah. I mean, that is like you're going to be rocking potentially. We are. So, and, and, it, and it is starting to show up that feminine energy. We see it with more women who are saying, I'm done with this corporate world. 
I yeah. am going to build my own business. I'm going to make a difference in the world. I am going to step out there. And we see a lot more stronger women, even though they're really battling a whole social norm of showing us exactly as you said, Larita, so ugly and washed out and done with. And, and instead, these women are been out and re- recreating. Well, I turned 60 last week and I'm thinking, well, stuff that. You know? <laughs> I never had more fun than I'm having now. You know? but, and I think that's what's so important. I mean, we hear 50, 60 in our power. And, we've, and I, oh, I don't know where you think, but part of this, you know, is it because we've lost connection with, you know, generational connection or is it just a patriarchal society that's leading to this? Well, <clears throat> okay, here's my other little soapbox. Thanks for giving me this one. Um, I get angry at women. <laughs> I get angry at people who point fingers because, okay, so I've, I have banged on a little bit about the patriarchy, but I am trying to keep it like toned down, right? So I used to be this rabid feminist when I was a student and then I calmed down and now I have a 21-year-old daughter who's like picked up where I left off, right? So, <laughs> so, so um, I'm reigniting my rabid feminism, but we can, we can, we can blame the patriarchy. And we can blame the medical system and we could blame men in general. The fact of the matter is no one can take your power if you don't give it away. No. So, so, and it starts with giving our own feminine power away to ourselves. So when the feminine part of you says I'm lonely and the masculine part of you says, stop being so stupid, pull yourself together, get with the program. You've got such a lot to be grateful for. And you actually buy into that. That's you allowing your masculine to abuse your feminine. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but I've done this for most of my life. So, you know, when my feminine says, I'm hungry and I really want to eat this, my masculine will say, you sure you want to eat that? Have you seen the thighs of of your thighs? I mean, really? Do you want to eat that? You've got no discipline. So we women are just as complicit in this power imbalance that we have as what men have. So, so the patriarchy can only overrun us because we give our power away. So it is up to every woman, woman to actually marry the masculine and the feminine within her. Because when that happens, your masculine is your, 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 your masculine is your parasympathetic, your sympathetic nervous system. Yes. Yes. Part of your nervous system that keeps you alert, lets you drive your car, gets you on time, it, it enables us to have this conversation. And your parasympathetic part of your autonomic nervous system, that's the feminine side. And those two parts of your autonomic nervous system, they run your entire physiology, all your hormones, all your immune factors, all your neurotransmitters, your digestion, whether you ovulate, whether you menstruate, everything. Everything. Everything that you're not thinking about. And basically, you're not thinking about anything that's happening in your body right now. No, so no, it's just happening. That, Exactly. So the perf- a perfectly tuned autonomic nervous system is a perfect marriage between the masculine aspect and the feminine aspect. But if we are constantly in our masculine and we are essentially abusing our feminine, is it any wonder that femicide is such a big issue and that gender-based violence is such a big issue? And so while I'm not suggesting that the perpetrators of that are blameless, I'm just saying I, as an individual, feel like I can't, I mean, listen, I live in South Africa. A woman is raped every five seconds here. We have the worst gender-based violence probably in the world, just about, okay? Except maybe in countries where they don't let you know how bad it is. So 
when I'm, when I'm here in South Africa, I'm going like, what can I do? Well, I'm telling you what I can do. I can help every single woman marry her masculine and her feminine because every woman who does that contributes to the collective and that's how we change the world. So yeah. maybe not in my lifetime and maybe not in your lifetime and maybe not even in our children's lifetime, but the generation after that, for sure. Yeah, it's millions of small acts, isn't it, that each of Absolutely. us do to, ma- to marry that. And, and this conversation about, well, boundaries or whatever we call them, but, you know, and that we're okay with know that or shutting down that inner critic or not accepting something and standing for who we for are. Sure. And I think a lot of it does come from older women like ourselves owning our power and not being prey to, I need to be anti-aged. I need to have a body like I was 30 because we're not going to have it. And that's a route to misery. <laughs> well, if I, that was possible, I'd have brown hair. But, you know, I've got more salt than pepper now. I used to have brown hair. Then I had salt and pepper. Okay, now I've mostly got salt. So it's definitely never going back to, it's definitely never going back to pepper, unfortunately. <laughs> no, and it mine is whatever it is. And I'm looking at and thinking, God, I look like my mother, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah, but it, yes. Oh, that's been amazing. I mean, Loretta, if you had to leave the listeners with, you know, one of your biggest sort of thoughts or thought starters for them, what would that be? Well, it would be a quotation from one of my teachers, Dr. John Demartini. He said, the mind always lies. The body never does. That's why God put the clues in the body. So your body is literally trying to tell you something that you are unable to access through your mind. So part of being feminine is learning how to listen to that. Because when you listen, that's a feminine act. Listening so that you can nurture. Right. So, so I, I tell my clients, ask yourself what you're about to do. Is it nourishing or is it punishing? If it's punishing, please don't do it. So punishing can be going for a run. Go, doing exercise when you're exhausted can be punishing. Eating lettuce when you want soup could be punishing. Yeah. Just ask yourself, is it nourishing or is it punishing? Because if you, if you focus on that, you are automatically connecting yourself to the feminine. That's beautiful. Thank you so much. Loretta, where can people find out more about your courses and the work that you do? Uh, probably the best place is to find me on social media, on Facebook. So um, you can friend me at Loretta Ferrucci, very simple. Um, and I have a group which is called Vitality Matters. That's really where I post all my content and I do most of my lives. And I invite my friends into that group, obviously. So Vitality Matters on Facebook or Loretta Ferrucci. That's wonderful. Loretta, thank you so much for coming thank on you. the show, sharing your passion, your energy around this bigger subject and busting a few of the menopause myths. Thank you so much, Larissa. It really was a pleasure. Oh my. Well, I hope that you really enjoyed that podcast interview. And as you were able to walk away with some great tips and ideas that you can implement in your daily life. If you've enjoyed this podcast episode, don't forget to like, subscribe and share to wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you have a particular guest or topic that you would like to hear on this podcast, reach out to me, clarissa at clarissachristiansen.com and let me know. I will try my best to get them on the show. 
Until next time, when I will have another fabulous guest sharing their stories and their wisdom, go well. If you're a business owner, you know these sounds mean sales. And from the sound of it, your business is growing. Whether you're fulfilling orders from your home office or warehouse, Stamps.com helps you stress less about mailing and shipping and spend more time doing what you love most. Listening to ASMR. <clears throat> I mean, growing your business. But as you grow, so does the need for efficiency. Stamps.com simplifies your shipping and mailing process. Import orders from wherever you sell online. Find the lowest rates with the fastest delivery times. Instantly deliver tracking updates to your customers. And buy shipping and mailing supplies when you run low. Save time and money on mailing and shipping. Get started at Stamps.com today with code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, free postage, and a digital scale. The is it morning yet deal. How about now? Or now? Because morning time is McDonald's breakfast time. And that's the best time of all the times. Get any sized iced coffee for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. And sweeten the deal when you pair it with a baked apple or pumpkin and creme pie. After all, why wait to treat yourself? Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba -da -ba -ba.